you have any questions about the secret place and entering in or about curses and why curses can come unto Christians, even generational ones, and why sin still affects us. If you have any questions concerning these things, now is the time to get your answers. Do we have any questions yet, Lydia? We do. We have a question from Noabisa. If someone repents for generational curses, will their children also be automatically be automatically redeemed from the curses or will the curses affect the children if they begin to walk in the sin attached to the curse? That right there That's is a good question. That is, is the key, Nawabisa. You are exactly right that um, we've seen it happen both ways. Sometimes um, when somebody comes in for a generational curse, they see their siblings and their aunts and uncles or their behavior subtly change as they're free from that curse. However, we have old habits that die hard. And, those, and sometimes if we aren't aware that we should be turning from that sin, we'll walk back into it and that curse will reassert itself. Same with our kids. When we break a generational curse off of us, um, it's broken off the future line as well. Sometimes we ask for it, sometimes we don't. But if those children are still participating in that sin, that curse can't be broken they need to let go of that and that sin that keeps it there so we have another similar question <clears throat> if a person goes to the courts of heaven to have family curses removed from their life does the removal of those curses also provide a level of freedom from ancestral curses for family members as well okay let's say just, Lynn just said it <laughs> Let's discuss that a little more. And you're right. Okay, here's the way I've seen generational curses in operation. Here's what the Lord has revealed to me concerning generational curses. Um, when somebody's under a curse, a generational curse, what it is, it, it's like a temptation button where the enemy can easily push that button and you fall into temptation and fall into that sin. That's what the generational curse does in many cases. There are other generational curses that affects finances and other things. But however, there are some that just tempt you into sin and tempt you to more and more greater sin. Um, when we, that generational curse is broken, that temptation button is removed. And they can, that doesn't mean that they can immediately stop sinning. It means they have now the greater option to stop sinning. That means that those sins still have consequences. And the Holy Spirit did correct me. He said, they don't come back under the generational curse but their sin still has consequences in their lives. The generational curse gives the enemy access to tempt them. That's why not every person in a generational line will suffer from a generational curse. It might only be your brother and your son, but maybe you didn't fall under it. Well, it's because the temptation was there, but maybe you had the heart of God and you were focused on God and you were able to keep from that sin. So not everyone in the family will fall prey to the same generational curse. And sometimes um, when the curse is removed, it allows them to make the better decisions to stop from sinning. From sinning. Does that help explain it, Sheila? Or wait, who was that? Um, Danita. Danita, yeah. So we have another question from Allie, when we go to the courts 
for mercy and grace? Does sin and generational curses interfere? You know, that is the wonderful part about what our Lord has done. When we go to the courts for grace and mercy, um, our ancestors' sins have been paid for by the blood. And those generational curses can be broken from your life and provide maybe some relief to your children. It, it, it depends on their age. If they're under 18 or especially if they're under 11, they can get complete freedom. So it does provide great relief. And those curses are not stronger than the blood of Jesus. They're not stronger than his sacrifice. Those generational curses have been paid for. And even the covenants and dedications, you know, right, um, the, the other message I did, and it's on a video where at the end I prayed and, and so you could be placed before the throne of grace. We've had people who say amen to that, who get great freedom. But then we have others who there's generational curses, covenants or agreements, and they get partial freedom. Then they have to come with us to the courts so we can hear what is keeping them from the fullness of the grace. So it can only hinder you if there's some kind of legal agreement that your ancestors have entered into with the enemy. That's what those covenants, agreements, and dedications are. They're legal agreements, binding agreements that were entered into. So you have to renounce those, and then they are paid for by the blood, then complete freedom and grace comes. Does that help, Allie? Then can I just add as well that when we do go to the courts for grace and mercy, we do address generational sins. Yes. Before we ask the Lord to place you at the throne of grace and mercy. So if that's your concern, I know, Allie, you haven't had your appointment yet, but we will actually be addressing some generational curses at and, that appointment. And if you haven't watched the video yet, between now and your appointment, you can get partial freedom there. The Holy Spirit can speak to you. And if he says, you know, um, gives you any kind of words of covenant dedication, then you just say, I renounce any covenants or dedications, whatever the Holy Spirit says from my ancestors during that, that video, during that uh, message. The Lord actually uh, appeared to us in private counsel and told us that, that video was enough. He actually scolded us for trying to go and get grace and mercy after that video. To ask for grace and mercy more than once, to be asked to be placed before the throne of grace and mercy more than once, is the greatest offense to our Lord. It means you haven't believed that you are there, that you're protected. It means you did that in unbelief. And so he has told us not to ever ask a second time. Only ask once, and then we can ask what is hindering, if there's anything hindering from the fullness of the grace, and that then we'll be told of covenants, dedications, anything like that. But in the meantime, before your appointment, you can go and say amen, then you just tell the people, I watched the video, I, saw, I said amen, but I still feel like something may be hindering me. If you didn't hear from the Holy Spirit, then it's time to um, ask the Holy Spirit and, and the mighty judge if there's anything hindering that grace and mercy. Right, Lydia? Yeah. And most times, the hindrance is something that you prayed. You went back to old wineskin or you, you lack of faith or something like that. Well, actually, most times it's not because when you come into agreement with us, it's our faith that you're standing on. It's not coming into faith with the with what the Lord has said. 
Remember, because grace and mercy comes so that you can learn his ways and turn from his, his sin, from your sin. So if you come into agreement with that prayer, but you have no intention of really, oh, I really don't have time. I guess I'll get to studying whenever, you know, and you don't really have any intention of learning further his ways. And, you, and it's not a priority. Mm -hmm. That's when the hindrance can come. And we have a whole uh, article and message about the different hindrances that can come from receiving grace and mercy. We have a question about the secret place from Karen. As a stay-at-home mom, sometimes it's a bit hard to juggle everything. Can we enter into the secret place while kids are playing quietly or in my presence, like in the same room? Sometimes my kids do pray and worship with me, and other times they get distracted or sleep. You certainly can. I'll tell you what, um, I would do this. <laughs> um, if you are in that situation, what I would do is before you begin, you say Yahweh, or that means Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all that I am that I am. That's the name of God that he spoke to Moses. So you just say Yahweh. You know, I come before you today and I seek you. I seek your son. And I ask that you send angels to stand guard around my children to even entertain them so that I may seek your presence. So enlist God's help. <laughs> Let him know. Um, there have been reports, you know, in Azusa Street on, um, when it, they had that on the East Coast, that the children were playing in God's glory. Um, he's, he's very capable of helping your children, helping you with your children if it's your time to worship him. There have been times um, where now that I'm much practiced at it, I will worship and put on worship music and just do crocheting. I like to crochet blankets and scarves. And as I'm crocheting, all of a sudden, I'll close my eyes for a second and the secret place will open and I just drop my crocheting and I sit there and visit with God. Now, you're still going to be able to hear your children, but, the, I, but in order to remain in the secret place, you do have to stay focused on God. That's why the practice is so important because you're just letting the world go, letting all your desires go and just focusing on God. And that, you can still do that. I understand with children, it can be hard. My mom used to do her important stuff after she put us down for the night, put us down for a nap. So if your children have a nap time, that would be a, an awesome time as well. It would only take 20 minutes to practice. The, God, the Lord will honor it. He knows that well, how much time you have and that you're doing your best, and he'll be there for you. I want to say one more thing. Next week, we'll be talking about um, the, uh, more about the courts and the highest level in the courts. But the week after, we're going to go back to the secret place and we're going to talk about baby steps to get in. So I hope you'll join us then for more, more help with that. Okay, go ahead, Lydia. So this is from Yvonne. How can financial generational curses be broken, such as a poverty mindset, laziness, and procrastination? Well, for one thing, if you, if you have those words in your heart right now, it's because <laughs> you're guilty of those sins. So um, by being placed, by, by watching that video and being placed before the throne of grace and mercy, that those generational curses will be broken, but then you have to confess, God, I have been guilty. I've been guilty, guilty of these things. And you state those things and you say, forgive me of my sins. I ask that the blood of Jesus cover them and help me to do them no more. And then that breaks the generational curse. See, the Holy Spirit is already talking to you and showing you um, what is allowing that generational curse to continue in your life. 
Now, I also had a question for, privately from Sheila. Um, and you're, she's welcome, you're welcome to unmute. Would you like me to unmute you so you can ask your question? Hey, Sheila. Sure. Yeah. What did you have? Okay, did I send it privately? So I guess my question was, so, and I had a dream about something, and then I had, like, when, when God brings something to mind, I just repent and I don't go to the courts or I do go to the courts? You can do either. Um, you can, you, uh, Jesus is your advocate. He's up there in heaven contending for you. So as long as you confess and admit that you were wrong um, and let God know that he was right in punishing you and you're going to try to do it no more. And, and then plead the blood of Jesus over it. Say, I plead the blood of Jesus over the sin and I ask you to blot it out from all records under heaven and earth. God hears your words. And then Jesus can take a, a care of the rest of the courts. But we'll okay. talk about that more next week. Next week, I'm going to give you some vivid examples of what happens. Okay. And if I feel like I'm not 100% sure what, like, for my dream, what that was, but I feel like, I mean, I would repent for that or confess and repent for anything that came to my heart. Can I go to the courts and get words to describe? Yes. Okay. Yes, you can. And I'll tell you what, there are some times when I'm not completely sure either. <laughs> and when the Holy Spirit's okay. talking to me and I just say, you know, Father, if this is right, you know, if, if this is what I need to turn from, then let whatever the consequence, whatever you're, you're seeing as an attack of the enemy, let that be gone in the morning. You know, if this is, if I've got it right, then let all the stuff be removed. And that's okay. for confirmation that you've got it right. God is okay. good. He always gives me confirmation. <laughs> okay, I love. It. Okay, um, and then I did have another question, but I don't know if it pertains to today. Um, what uh, was your but that about honoring your husband and that part that I, if I'm under my husband, but he's Catholic, how does that? The question that I asked you before. Do you want to? Is that now appropriate time or not sure? Yeah, we can, we can address that. Okay, when I first came to God, and my husband said he was a Christian, but he was ex-Catholic, and he didn't know you had to call Jesus Lord. I didn't know this for several years. But God told me that um, I had to put my house in order, meaning my husband was the head. And anything, that, that's not your spiritual head. Jesus is your spiritual head, but your physical head. In other words, physical decisions one person has to be in charge, and you have to trust that God will move your husband's heart in those physical, physical things, you know, concerning physical matters. And that is honor, and honoring your husband also is saying positive things about him. You know, yes. it will dramatically change your relationship. If you will tell him one or two things every day that he does well, if you will honor him with your words and tell him how great he's doing, that right there will transform your husband's heart. That's what men need above all else is, is that honoring from you. And like this year, I know that you know that some of my kids made their communion. Was I right to do that with them when he was insistent to do it? If he or was, was insistent, then what you do is um, do whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to. And if the Holy Spirit says to, to step back and say, okay, um, then what you say is um, in your, you talk to God and you say, Father, I'm so sorry. Forgive him for he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. I put the blood of Jesus over my children. I ask that you protect them and that you keep them from any alliances with the Pope, 
that Jesus is their spiritual head. I thank you that their actions are covered with the blood of Jesus. See how you can, you can let him have his, his way, but then you, can, you, you know in your heart that's not right, and so you declare it before God. I did that for many years concerning the tithe. I wanted to tithe for the better part of a decade, but my husband didn't believe in it. So I would save up whatever money, or if I was given money, I would always or earn money myself. I would, I would tithe on that, but we couldn't tithe on our household income. So I often pray, Father, forgive him. You know, forgive him for he doesn't know. He just doesn't yeah. know the ways. So that's what you do for your husband. Does that help, Sheila? I definitely, 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 yes. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay, who's next, Lydia? So, uh, Danita is asking again, what about curses caused by generational sins, such as a religious spirit? What about curses caused by general generational sins, such as a religious spirit? A religious spirit weakened in other family members when we are set free are are they weakened in other family members when we're set free there it is religion um a religious spirit is often um that is a matter between god and the person now um a lot of times a religious spirit we've seen um attaches to a person because of their dedication unto god uh because they've been dedicated unto a little g god um, and, and their ancestors did some sort of offering and sacrifice to a, to a little G God, which allowed, that's what, where a religious spirit comes from. It's from something else, putting something else above God. And so that allowed that religious spirit to continually hound that person for the attack until they were able to confess and repent for their ancestors for that and repent for how they had participated in it. So concerning a religious spirit, that's... Um, with other family members, once you become free, once you break the generational curse from your ancestors and you become free, that spirit is still there to bother them and they can still give it a place, but it won't have as much of a place. And you, by your example, by listening to the Holy Spirit, doing what he says, this is why the preparation for intercession is so important. You have to be able to hear from the Holy Spirit to to help God. Um, God's will be done on this earth and not hinder it. If you really want your, your relatives to be free, the best way to do it is to grow as close to God and hear as much from him as you can. By doing that, he'll be able to work more effectively through you and you won't hinder his process. I, wanna, I was watching John Paul Jackson's video the other day and he was on the Joni talk show and one of the people there um, John Paul Jackson interpreted a dream and the dream said, you're trying, God was telling her, you're trying to give grace to someone who I am working it with. He said, I'm working in their life and you're trying to extend grace when really they need the strong hand of God to get them to turn from their path. Does that make sense? So just because somebody's suffering, our heart, you know, we love them. And I fall for this a lot too. I've had to really learn that sometimes people are in a process and they have to go through that process. And if you try and give them grace, uh, it just extends that process and really hinders them from their destiny. So you'll have to ask, that's why it's so important for us to hear from our counselor, to know how not to hinder that process and know what to do when God says to do it. 
Lydia, you've had uh, some experiences in your family as well. Is there anything, advice you could give, Danita? Well, I was thinking as you were talking about it that a religious spirit really is a mindset. It, it, it forces you to think a certain way and it causes a lot of legalism. And so I think just hanging out with Lynn really helps. <laughs> And when your family starts behaving with that religious spirit, that's a time when you want to just be very laid back and don't judge them for it. Because they may have been raised like you in a church where there was a religious spirit, or if they've been dedicated, as Len said, to a saint or to a, a small god, they're you know they're struggling too but when they see that wow you're really free i can you know they'll see the difference that you're free of that religious spirit and then they'll have that holy jealousy they'll want what you have and it's kind of contagious it is very freeing and that was a great point see this these are all things we teach in the academy we give you the scriptures to back up what we're saying here today so that you can fully understand these things and walk in them and it's not through us it's through the holy spirit who's the true teacher of the academy he will bring you, these to you um so what uh lydia was saying also is very important we have to be careful not to condemn and criticize others you know when we confess and say this person has a religious spirit, what we're doing is giving that spirit more access. We're not right. to label people. And if you want to find out why that is in the academy, you'll find out how, how detrimental that is. And the Holy Spirit can move in your heart and reshape your words and help you with this. So Aline is saying, I guess back when you were speaking about watching your video on Grace and Mercy, she said, that's what I was feeling that was happening with me and my husband. We watched the video and we said, amen, but we still, we're still feeling that something is hindering, blocking us, holding us and what to do because I can't get what is blocking us to receive mercy and grace. Any suggestions? Oh, uh, yes. So that's exactly what I was talking about was that, um, Depending on where you are, depending on uh, what your family history is, we don't know these things, but that's when you come to an, a private appointment with us and the Holy Spirit will let us know if there's anything holding you back, if there's anything that's keeping you from the fullness of God's grace and mercy. And it's only the Holy Spirit. That's why we do these one-on-one, -on -one, because we bring one person before the throne. We bring one person into the courts, and we ask our counselor before the judge, who is truth, if the enemy is able to hinder them from receiving grace and mercy in any way. Now, remember, grace and mercy doesn't mean everything is instantly better, that your bank account is bursting, and everything is awesome. What it means is the enemy can't assault you and keep you from learning God's ways and turning from your sin so that you can be free. Um, a lot of times we have a lot of questions about financial provision. Financial provision is, you know, it comes in different ways. We've had some people who come with us to the courts and they, they, this was back when we immediately received charges. This was a mature Christian who was walking in sin and knew it. And she turned from that sin, no matter how hard it went. And it was hard for her, but she turned from it. And the moment that she dropped all that sin and ran, ran back to God, 
she got a job making six figures. So that does happen. But most likely what happens is what the Bible tells us happens most often, that you prosper even as your soul prospers. As you learn in the academy, as you grow in God's ways, as you learn what sin you need to let go of, as you learn to hear from the Holy Spirit so you know what to do and when to do it, then you prosper. That God provides for you as you serve him. He says, seek me first and he will add all things unto you. Everything that you need. So it's about, um, a lot of times, it's about walking. And, and it's about the walk to get there. So it may not happen instantly. We do have people who get instantly healed, but it's people whose bodies will keep them from learning God's ways. We have other people, um, somebody who was healed after prayer here at the team meeting. We've had a lot of people healed that way, but it just depends on what the Holy Spirit says and tells us to do. He knows what's going on in heaven. He knows what needs to be done. And it's all in God's plan and time. I have no power. I have nothing, nothing to do with it. All I do is hear from the Holy Spirit and declare what God says. And it's him, it's he that decides what will happen. So I have another question here, um, a private one. And from what I can see, there are a lot of people that are frustrated because things are not working out for them. So this question is, when a person has been continuously under attack with a specific, in a specific area for many years, for example, physical attack, and they've confessed, they've repented, they pleaded the blood for anything that they can think of, and yet it continues and continues and they don't hear directly from Yeshua, what next? So this is why we've created the Hearing from God Academy. Everyone should be able to hear. Everyone should be able to see their homeland. We are children of the Most High and citizens of heaven. It is our right to receive from our counselor, the Holy Spirit. Why would Jesus say that it would be better if he physically left and sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in us if we could not hear from him, if we could not receive from him? So it is every Christian's right to receive this. Hearing from God is the first step. Then we have the Courts of Heaven Academy. We have found that everyone who comes with us to visits um, and becomes part of the team and really wants to help the body of Christ the Holy Spirit brings the gifts and then they begin hearing and seeing and, and, and talking to him. So the Holy Spirit will bring you the gifts and he will talk to you. However, concerning these things you have brought up, I will bring up two things that could be the issue. Two things that you need to look deeply into. The very first one, the biggest issue where people are sick, where people are in pain, that is most often when it's, when it's been going on for a long time, when no amount of repentance works, most often that is a Jezebel-type demon. It is from the Jezebelic class of demons. The Bible is very clear that if you let Jezebel in, she will bring you to a bed of suffering. The only way to remove that Jezebelic spirit is to do the Jezebel prayer and, um, and, and turn from any sin, confess any sin and turn from it. Now, that's why before you come to visits with others, 
we have everyone do the Jezebel prayer with us in the courts of heaven. Because when you do that, if Jezebel has a place in your life, you'll know it. Because things will go haywire. Things will get worse because she is pissed off about you trying to get her off. Excuse my language. I forget I'm talking to Europeans and that's a bad word. <laughs> I will try to remove it from my vocabulary. Um, but I'm American and <laughs> that wasn't considered a bad word. Um, but I do apologize for my crudeness. Um, but so, so we, we do that to reveal if the spirit has a place in your life so you can start dealing with it. The only way to remove that spirit is to, to turn from the sins that she has, you've been participating in. It can be very hard to find those sins. Um, we have a list of them on, on the article, on our website. We have a class in the academy about it to help you identify it. And turning from them can be hard. It will help you with it. And then when you come to the part at the end of the academy, if you're still suffering with some, something, we'll take you into a second visit and you'll receive charges that are sin. You'll know what to expect when you receive those charges. You'll have, have full knowledge of going into the courts and you'll be prepared for that visit. We want you to be know that you're going before the judge of heaven and earth. All of heaven is going to see you and that you're going to know what sins are allowing the enemy access to you. That's the final step of the, after the academy. But until then, even, even the courts cannot remove Jezebel unless you're willing to remove those sins from your life. Some of the worst ones are gossiping and slander, um, manipulation. Manipulation is probably the worst. We as women are raised with manipulation of the opposite sex. It is something that is ingrained into our society and it gives Jezebel a place. And you have to stop that to remove Jezebel. So the, those are the three sins that are most prevalent. Now, um, for finances, what was it? What Lydia, I'm sorry, what was the other question? It was, was it financial and healing? Were those the two it big was, ones? Yeah, those were the two main that people are struggling with. I will tell you. So if you want a quick lecture on finances, I'll give it to you right here and now. I won't pull any punches. Um, I have an article and a, and a video about finances and how to be free, but I'm gonna give it to you straight, hard and cold right here today. The biggest reason that finances are attacked are two things. Well, three, let's go three. First, tithing and offering. Some people tithe and they're still under a financial curse because it's a generational thing that has to be broken. But where are you tithing? Are you tithing into good ground? Are you, or are you tithing in, into because you feel guilty and you feel like you have to? Are you tithing because you know this 10% is God's and you're giving it back to him? Or are you tithing for different reasons? You have to know about tithing. The second one is offerings. God, God's word was clear. It's because they were misusing tithing and offering. Do you even know what an offering is and why you give it? We talk about that in the article. What is an offering? When do you give it? And this ministry, you know, it operates on offerings because we give freely everything God gives, gives us. And we let you give an offering back to God to acknowledge him. The third thing, um, well, I guess that is three. It's good ground and not tithing and uh, offerings. Those are the three things. And you have to do it with an open heart, with a good heart. 
Um, and then, and because not because you want something back, but because you want to do it for God. We've seen people come under a curse and their finances being halted because they responded when somebody said, oh, so it's seed of a thousand dollars and God is going to bless you a hundredfold back within a year. How many of you heard somebody say that? <laughs> that right there is a bribe. You are responding to a manipulation and you're giving to, re to get, not giving to God. You're actually dishonoring with that gift, God and all he's done. So if you've done that, it could be halting your finances. You need to confess, oh, I am so sorry. I gave not because I love you and because I acknowledged you. I gave because they said there was a reward. So those are just a few reasons for, tithe, for financial delay. The biggest one is a generational curse. Once you come to the courts of heaven, that burden will be removed. And it, then it's just all about what you do with God. Was there anybody else, Lydia? Does it, or do you have any other information about, did I cover it for, for finances? Yeah, someone's just saying about what if you don't have a home church yet? Where do you tithe? Guess what? Any place that is putting forth the word of God, any place where you're receiving food and fellowship with others is a church. Um, you give to where you're being fed good good nutrition, good word from God. That you, you tithe, um, and it doesn't have to be a church. Remember, when Jesus, he said that the temple was going to be no more, that you don't, you know, that you're going to worship God in spirit and truth, that we are the temples of God. Uh, so you, it's tithing into God's kingdom for his purposes, for his word to go forth, for, for his uh, people to be taught. That's where you give your tithes. And if you don't have a place where you feel like you're being led to tithe, then you, what you want to do is take that amount and you put it in a coffee can you know, or in a, in a savings account where you forget about it. And you say, God, this is your portion. You just show me where you want to, me to give it and I'll give it. And until then, I'm just putting this right here for you. This is yours, God. And you put his tithe in a nice little spot until he tells you to give it. So here's a question, Lynn. Is it acceptable to tithe in two ministries? Oh, yes. Very much so. You can tithe wherever the Holy Spirit tells you to. It's 10% and you can give it wherever you do. And even ministries themselves should be giving back to God, but in a different way. Ministries support God's word where it originally came from, and that's his people, Israel. So we uh, ministries give back to God's people and support where they received all their knowledge from. Every word that we have in the Bible came from God's people and you're supposed to honor them. So it's a little different with the ministry. But you can definitely break up that tithe in any way the Holy Spirit tells you to. Winona is saying, do I repent for all my family members for the poverty mindset? So Winona, you need to go through the academy and find out about confession and, and repenting and the difference. Um, you really need to start, keep, keep going. Don't let the enemy stop you from the academy because you're misunderstanding yes. what confess and repent means. Uh, so keep going in the academy learn, and you will learn God's ways and this will be solved for you through him. Yes, and also the academy covers the teachings on Jezebel and Leviathan. And it's in the second section. So 
just everyone, you know, continue in the academy and you will get to that section on it. And the post for Jezebel has been posted in the chat for those that um, that wanted it. Okay, so um, uh, Julia had a great question, a follow-up to Stephanie's. She said, when, when we, how do we still honor our husbands and honor others um, when he is not a believer at all on any level and mocks uh, the Christian belief? So let me tell you, um, you uh, the, the free book on Amazon, Angels Believe in You, well, I share my walk with you. I, I try and keep it very precise without a lot of emotion. But when you read it, you'll see that when my early days, God showed up in a big way when I came back to him. He healed me instantly, miraculously of a deviated septum they wanted to do surgery on and, and horrible allergies that were very debilitating. And my husband's response was, oh, honey, good for you, mind over matter. Yeah, he was not into Christianity at all. He forbid my parents, who were pastors, from bringing their Bibles into our house when they came for a visit because they, you know, would come from out of state. So you can still honor your husband, um, but you have to learn to hold your tongue. It's the hardest thing, hardest thing in the world. Um, he's mocking you because you're speaking without the Holy Spirit telling you to. You're sharing things of God that he's not ready for. You have to build your relationship with God and so you can listen to the Holy Spirit and you can keep your mouth shut when he tells you to and speak only when he tells you to. I went through this with my husband for many years. Oh, you know, I would, I would think, oh, he'll want to hear about this. This is a great thing, you know, because it's miracles and whatnot. And I would tell him and he would just get all mad. We'd be in a fight for two weeks. But then I'd be, we'd be driving down the road and the Holy Spirit would whisper, the little voice in my subconscious would say, tell him about what you, what you did the other day. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 that's about God. He'll just get mad. And the voice would continue and persist. No, go ahead and tell him. So I'm like, okay, fine. So I would tell him about it. We would have this wonderful conversation about God and everything would be great. So the key to living with a husband who doesn't know God and even mocks God is listening to the Holy Spirit, building your relationship with him so that you know exactly what to say and when to say it. And that's what will eventually be a good witness to your husband. Remember, um, the Bible tells us that our husbands who are unsaved may be saved not by our many words, but by our actions. And it's by those actions that they will turn to God. So you'll have to ask God what actions he wants you to do, how he wants you to behave so that your husband can be saved. Now, if you're in any kind of physical danger, um, ask the Lord what is right and what is good. Um, if you're without kids, um, that is one time when you can get a divorce, is when you're with an unbelieving husband and you don't have any children yet. But if you have children, it says the Bible for the sake of the kids to remain with the husband. Um, always consult the Holy Spirit. My husband, I was, we were getting ready to get a divorce. <laughs> I didn't know it, but he was going to serve me divorce papers. And God had me get pregnant with my first child. We've been trying for three or four years. And the only reason my husband stayed with me is because I was pregnant. He told me that. A couple years later was that the only reason he stayed was because I was pregnant. He didn't want another man raising his child. And several years after that, it was probably seven years after that, 
he finally said, you know, that would have been the stupidest decision of my life. I was being incredibly selfish and I didn't realize what a great wife I had. But it took years of being faithful and doing what the Holy Spirit said in order to get to that point. Okay, Lydia, is there, I see. There's um, one more question. Um, I'm just looking. I see Johanna says, yeah. as a single person, when I attend a grace and mercy court session, will the generational sins be broken off me? Also set free my siblings, nieces and nephews. Also, do I have the authority to intercede for them? I don't want to step outside my authority. See, you're, the Holy Spirit's already speaking to you. You do not want to step outside your authority. Um, and you can't intercede for them for grace and mercy. But first, you must receive it and begin learning about what it is. One of our final classes in the academy is about how to intercede um, for your loved ones. So it won't hurt them <laughs> to remain right where they are. Um, you can always intercede by asking God for three things. Wisdom always freely given, and God doesn't criticize us when we ask, grace and mercy. So you can always pray and ask God for grace and mercy for them and learn how to do it in the courts through the academy um, afterwards. But we will, you, the generational curses for you and your family, family line will be taken care of in that first visit for grace and mercy. I hope that helps. Uh, I was wondering if anyone would like to hear Jillian's testimony um, about grace and mercy um, and how it affected her life so that you know what you know how some of these things play out many of you here have not yet had your grace and mercy visit so perhaps a testimony is is uh, needed Jillian if you're able yeah I am okay so I have been um, following I have been a listening to this ministry dedicatedly like every week every meeting I have listened to everything that um, Lynn has posted and I've tried to be at almost every meeting that I could possibly be at and so I went in and I had been to the courts before uh, before the revelation of grace and mercy and then um, I listened to the meeting about grace and mercy and um, I didn't hear the whole prayer, so I couldn't do it on the Tuesday. So the next day I listened to the recording and, you know, I prayed in my mind and, and said amen with the prayer. And within two hours, um, my ex-husband, who I didn't want to be an ex to, uh, texts me and tells me that he is going to get married and that he is engaged. And my children started acting up and um, like really bad, like to the point where they were getting suspended from school and they're only eight and a half and six and a half. And so this was really out of the ordinary um, um, behavior. And I had also prayed the prayer. Um, well, I hadn't prayed the prayer for them yet because I didn't know it, but um, I also, there was things going on with my parents that was very stressful. Things at work were very stressful and it all seemed to happen within, uh, I would say 
a lot of it happened within 24 hours and then all of it happened within 72 hours of it. And I, at 72 hours, I got down and I just, I couldn't, I, I was so angry. I was so angry because I had seen a lot of freedom from going to the courts and listen and you know, following Lynn's teachings and trying my very best to um, do the things that I hear God telling me to do. And, uh, and it just absolutely blew up. And I was so angry. And, and then I talked with Lynn and, you know, nothing really, <laughs> we went, we asked and it wasn't anything um specifically that i was doing other than my words and so i repented of my words meaning like um just i don't know why my kids are always doing this and and just i shouldn't come into agreement with with the enemy so i repented for that and the one thing that lynn had mentioned to me was have you started the academy and i had and i had done three or four courses and at that time you had to wait for your course to be marked and given back to you before you could start again. And so um, being single, it's hard uh, to do that with kids around. And, and anyways, and then Lynn had just opened it up and I hadn't started doing it. And the Lord had told me, get back doing it now. Now that she's opened it up, that isn't the problem. Then get doing the academy. And so I did get down on my knees and, apologized to God for being so angry and that I had no right and all that kind of thing. Um, and then I started the Academy and honestly, within days of starting the Academy and just going through the lessons and just writing the answers down and going, reviewing the articles that I have read and that I have been at the meetings for, um, so this would have been the third time I was reading it. Um, just uh, things lifted and I understood what he was telling me to do and it became easier to do what he told me to do. My mind fog cleared up. Um, my child, I knew what to say to my children and it seemed to make a difference. Um, things started changing in my parents um, and I didn't say anything to them and I had been practicing very hard not to say anything about their walk or anything like that um, but it just changed after I had started doing the academy and just it was a change in my heart because the information because I had to read it and then answer questions I think it was like writing it on my heart writing his statutes on my heart Mm -hmm. And honestly, I, it's still coming that way. I feel that, um, I just keep getting clearer and clearer and clearer about what he wants me to do. And I still struggle at doing it immediately. Um, but I notice why I'm struggling, um, and I can correct it and um, confess and correct it and then move forward again. But I think the big thing was, it seems like such a 
Like I had been through all the courses, like I had listened to everything and, and read them and read them and talked with another person who's part of this ministry about them, but I hadn't actually just sat down, read them and did the questions. And after I did it, it was like stepping stones were placed in front of me and, and things really like it was a real noticeable relief um and that i had that peace and i just knew he was there and i could feel him and i didn't have that before and that would be it thank you jill that was a beautiful testimony um i just want to say this if i can make one comment lynn mm -hmm. that um people that are doing the academy are you doing it because we told you you had to do it before you could have an appointment or are you doing it because you truly want to learn more about god so you see that right there is an issue of the heart and sometimes just we're doing the academy for the wrong reasons can cause an attack it's all about obedience and the heart that's what keeps us under grace and mercy. When we come into rebellion, that's when the enemy comes in. And so even when you're under grace and mercy, it's important to respond like Jillian did to, the, to what the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit is. Even if you think you're getting close, no, you have to do what he says when he says to do it. And, and it is a, a process, stepping stones, one after the other, and the peace just grows and grows, and you start hearing and, and understanding more, and it's like the whole world opens up before you. We, we've had so many testimonies from people about this, um, and we know that this academy is God's idea, not ours. I, I just wanted to write a few books. Mm -hmm. He's the one who told me to make the academy. You know? um, so it's his academy for his purposes. First, let's go back to the five, um, somebody, Susan. Yes, Susan. About ministries, churches that are controlled by the 501c3. Um, and does that negate the blessing? Okay, this is a tough one. Only the Holy Spirit can really tell you what negates the blessing. What I can tell you is this, um, 501c3, it has been prophesied and declared by many, many different people that they're under the control of the government and that it lets the enemies influence in. That because um, that's our national system of recognition for uh, charities, it's a 501c3. And by being part of that, the government gets to tell you what you can and cannot say. Um, they don't allow you to say anything negative about the government or to take political sides. And they're even starting to censor for hate, hate speech against being gay. And so you can't even say it's wrong uh, to have you know, sex outside of a marriage. They're, they're kind of ramping it up as time goes by. So there are issues in the 501c3 system. Um, that's why Agape isn't one. And that's, you know, in order to um, be a church and to be able to receive funds in the U.S., you don't have to be a 501c3. This government was founded for the freedom of the churches. That 501c3 system was, was created in, um, by a candidate for an office who almost lost because churches spoke out against him. And it was to control the mouth of the church. We do have a 501c3 charity that you can give to, which supports the church. So you would be supporting the church if you, ch if you choose to do it that way. Um, and we have to have a 501c3 in order to accept donations. Um, and, 
you can't have a checking account without being it nowadays. And so it makes it very challenging for that purpose. But we won't go into all that. Um, the main thing is, is that there's coming a time, there's coming a judgment upon this earth. There's coming a wave of glory. God is going to pour out his glory. And um, afterwards, there'll be judgment. You know, whenever God moves, the enemy gets a chance to move, right? That it, it's fair, it's just. And so God is going to move. He, he's shown us that a, a lot of ministries are going to fall. And I, I know why, and I even know who in a lot of cases, but I'm not allowed to say. God has told me not to say anything um, about against that can be used against other ministries right now. So just listen to the Holy Spirit and know that if you're sowing into that church, that there may come a time when the government seizes those funds. So you have to ask the Holy Spirit, is this good ground? Is this okay for now? So he'll know when that cutoff date is. He'll know when, when that will be used inappropriately. Ask him. <laughs> he will tell you and he will show you. Um, and I, I can't say any more than that. Lydia, do you have any, anything else to add to that? Uh, no, but can you address um, if Agape is a 501c3? Oh, I did. Agape is, is not um, a 501c3 for that reason. We are a church. Very good. All that's required by the U.S. government for us to receive donations, they can't even look at our finance, finances. If you're a 501c3, they can look at your finances and tell you what to do with it. They can do all kinds of stuff to you, make all kinds of threats. Um, so that's why we're not under that system. But we do have Agape Assistance Association, which um, is a charity God had me start in 2010, a long time ago. And it's a 501c3 that if um, you can write off donations to a certain point, if it's over 10,000, then you run into issues. And then it needs a, needs a 501c3 for you to receive any tax kind of break on it. And so that's... Uh, and we also have to have a place that people can have a checking account. So that's, that's our Agape assistance that supports, works through churches. And Agape is one of them right now. I, I know it's a little bit confusing. All the information is on the website if you'd like to know more. Lydia, do I need to give more information about Agape assistance? No, it's complicated. And every country has similar laws. Yeah, so in Canada, we fall under charity, but churches become incorporated, and it's a similar thing. So, well, look at it this way most churches have an outreach to help people, to help homeless people, or, or something like that. Um, Agape Assistance is that part of the church that it's that, it's that, um, and instead of giving to the church that then gives to the uh, program to help people. You can give to the program to help people that will support the church and anything that is beyond that stays to help people. Right. Uh, at, when God tells us to. It's all governed by God and, and we will talk about that in the future <laughs> when, when there's actually funds that are actually supporting the church. Right now we are mostly volunteer. Um, the, the income is being used to print thousands of books, which are being sent out. So Lynn, um, Julia actually posted a question a while ago and um, it needs to be addressed. It was, it's concerning 
she says, our children were christened as babies in the Anglican church. And then later as young children, they gave their hearts to the Lord. Does this hinder them? Um, Lydia, you're way more familiar with churches than I am. Uh, and I, I, I do confess, I, I know a limited amount about how other churches actually operate. So Lydia, an Anglican church, are they under the Pope? No. Then No, they're not. But I would say as long as you've dedicated your children to the Lord, that's the key. You didn't dedicate them to the church or to a saint. And I, I think that's the important thing here. I think sometimes we get a little too paranoid. I was baptized as a Catholic and I renounced everything. And when your children are older, they can renounce if they feel the Holy Spirit's telling them to. But I, I wouldn't be too concerned. What do I, you think, Lynn? I agree wholeheartedly. You know, I have met some Catholic nuns that are spirit-filled, <laughs> that, oh, yes. that are beautiful. You know, um, St. Teresa uh, was a, a nun who visited the secret place in Jesus. You know, just because you're in, um, just because they're in that religion, yes, they are in danger, but it does, it's nothing that Jesus can't solve. Jesus can still uh, help them before it's too late. Um, I actually had a vision, and I only share part of it. I've shared bits and pieces of it. But the Catholic Church isn't yet dead. There are still, there's still hope for some. There, there'll come a time when, when it will be a dead organization, when it's a one world organization, when, and they're already starting heavily along that path. We'll talk about that probably later this year, some things that they've done and announced. Um, but not yet. There'll come a time when yes, it'll be dead and it's time and you've got to get out. Until then, just pray for anyone you know. Ask the Lord to move them to where they should be. Ask the Lord for grace and mercy to open their eyes, to bring them wisdom. Right. And, and know that there are beautiful, loving, Christian, good-hearted people in every religion. God showed me that today in a vision, and this is the time to share it, he said. In that vision where God appeared to me so clearly, um, it was, I just barely laid down and shut my eyes and poof, there I was. <laughs> and I was in the secret place and, and God was Abba. He's the Abba Father, which is, you know, he's, he's young-ish with, with white hair and a white beard. And we're, when we're in a, this stream and he's, he's digging through the mud and he's showing me bits and flecks of gold. And he said, he said, see, there's good if you look hard enough. There's good in all things. And the stream was flowing through this area. And I said, that's the stream from you, right? That's the stream from, from the throne. And he said, yes. And I said, so this is why they're under grace and mercy, even though they're not doing things your way, even though they're doing things really wrong, some, some of them. This is why they still exist. Because you need that stream. You need that to carry your glory, to touch others there's still a little good in them. And because of that, you mm -hmm. can still flow in that stream and cover the earth with your glory. And he said, yes, I need the whole earth to see my glory. I need every avenue, even the imperfect ones, even those with just a little good. And that's how he'll touch his people and bring them in. So we have to be careful about, and that's, that's why he told me I could not say anything negative 
against the other churches because the enemy would use it to hinder those churches. I don't need to give the enemy any ammunition against those other churches and, and ministries. I just need to let God's glory flow. And in the end, it all, you know, judgment will eventually come. But for now, they're doing God's work, even if it's just a little bit. And he will flow. His glory will come and touch mm -hmm. people. And that's what's important. The people that will be touched and turned to God through them. God will take care of the rest. Amen. Amen. And, you know, Lynn, a lot of people, probably right here in this room, regret ever being part of a religious denomination. You know, because we, many of us were born into it. But um, if you realize that you've made that mistake, repentance and the blood, and move on. You know, we can't just sit there and, because I went through that. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I baptized my children. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I had them go through the sacrament. But the, the, the truth is they learned about God. So it's not all, it should not be all regret. And as Lynn said, there are some wonderful people that attend these churches and probably loved on your children at the time. So I would just move on. And if you feel you need to repent, repent, cover it with the blood. But don't, don't have all these regrets. It doesn't get you anywhere. It really doesn't. Just move on and praise God that he showed you the truth. Yes, amen. So that is it for today's uh, questions and answers. I think we've answered everything that people have come with today. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the wisdom that you've brought here today. We thank you for helping your children understand your ways more. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you go with them, that you bring this into their hearts and let it take root in the fertile ground. Every word that is from God, every revelation that is from him, let it take root in their heart. Let it bloom and grow and in firm ground, in the firm ground that is you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for that today. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, amen.